God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for uh, the richness of this, um, of this series. As we, as we pursue you for what the vision looks like for us as a gathered body of believers in this town and in this nation, as we seek your face for what, how to express that, thank you uh, for this series, Lord. Thank you for foundational truths about who you are and what you call us to in mercy, humility, and justice. And we pray that again, afresh, you would draw us to yourself as we study your word and as we reflect a little bit around this series. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Andrew. Thanks, David. Yeah, good evening to you. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, not convinced, are you? Turn to your neighbor and say, are you alive? Yeah, I'm not hearing a lot of yeses. I'm not hearing a lot of yeses. It's, uh, it's good to be with you. So, um, anyone ever been to North Cornwall? Yeah. Anyone ever been to a place called Polzeth? Yeah, where you do bodyboarding and surfing and stuff. Um, we were at Polzeth uh, this, this summer, and uh, it was gorgeous. It was glorious. And um, as we were standing on the cliffs, you've been to Polzeth, it's got big cliffs on either side. We're looking down on the beach. And we can see they have um, ice cream vans, Kelly's ice cream vans, that go on the beach and drive, uh, drive around and, and serve people ice creams. The tide goes out miles and miles and miles. And we're looking down and I notice this ice cream van sitting with its, with its, its rear towards the ocean. Okay? And there's a queue of people getting their ice cream. And uh, I sort of think to myself, um, that's interesting. The tides, tides are getting really close to that. I just wonder if that guy's noticed. And, and as I'm on the cliff, we're watching the tide coming, coming in closer and closer. And there's a young guy serving, and he's serving this queue. And you sort of think to yourself, he's going to notice any minute now. He's going to notice. And he doesn't. And we're standing on the cliff. We can see the entire vista, the whole of the big picture of this. And he's just down there serving away. And this, the, the water starts to lap up, quite literally, before almost anyone in the queue notices. And then there's a kind of, quick, you've got to get out. You can imagine it. So the, the queue goes, the, the engine starts, you know. And of course, what happens is the rear wheels that are by now near a little pool, just sort of the water and the sand. Like this. And you're watching the whole scene in front of you. The tide is coming in. There's a whole crowd around. So, they, so this whole crowd of people now get round and start pushing this van as the tide laps up against it. And you can see this young guy. You can see his face. He's draining. Even from a distance, I can see his face draining. Anyway, they're pushing and the rear wheels are going. There's water. There's sand. It's going nowhere. It is great. This is the best free holiday entertainment we have ever had. We didn't have to pay a penny for it. Okay, now the water is above the tide line and the RNLI lifeboat crew are coming, okay? So you've been to Poles F, they drive around young, good-looking people. I just despise them. They're young and good-looking and slim and blonde and they tan and they don't go red. And anyway, they drive down in their expensive truck that does nothing except drive around as a posemobile. 
And they get out and they're sauntering. I mean, they are just sauntering along. I mean, there's no urgency. There's no car. We're watching from the cliff. We can see the water coming in just casually. The Australian bloke, I presume. No mention of rugby at all coming. No. Um, attaches the tow rope. And of course, confidently, they get into the van. Put the welly it down. It stretches and goes, bang! Breaks. It's wonderful. It is gloriously wonderful. What is going to happen? The water is literally up. You are going to read about this on the news. At which point, look, I'm not small. I know that. I'm perfectly weighted for someone who's six foot four. The biggest guy you have ever seen in your life emerges from the crowd. I mean, he is six foot five tall and six foot five wide. And you are thinking to yourself, well, I was thinking, this is not the best person to get into that van so that they can push it. But he gets in, he opens the door and quite literally pulls young, weedy, teenager, um, you know, school break kind of person out of van and gets in. And the whole van sinks and he just absolutely steams down on the accelerator. And because he's so big, the van goes down into harder sand and goes rum, off. And there's this massive cheer that erupts across the, across the beach. It was the best holiday moment I have ever had. Free entertainment. And the thing was, because we were on the cliff, we could see the big picture of what was going on. The guy who was serving, he was just kind of like micro in there, serving his ice creams. We were on the cliff. We could see the big picture. Coming to the end of this series, as David said, on, on Micah 6.8. And we've been, we've been circling around this verse. What does it mean to, to act justly? What does it mean to love mercy? What does it mean to walk humbly? We're, we're circling around this first because as a church, we're asking God, what is the big picture? Where are you leading us? Who do you want us to be as Trinity Cheltenham into the future? And, and we have some things that we believe that God is saying to us. And we're really looking forward to sharing those with you in more detail in the new year. We, we believe that God is saying something to us about going deeper as followers of Jesus. About before we could even imagine trying to be broader and see a big picture of loads of people. Actually, we've got to be prepared to go deeper ourselves first. We think God is calling us to, calling us to that. Secondly, we believe that God is calling us to, to serve and work with other people, including in our own church family, our, our gifts, to share our gifts as a church family. God's given us so many resources. And also with people outside of Trinity. And thirdly, we believe that God is saying something to us about planting New things, not only churches, but new ideas, being entrepreneurial in the city of Cheltenham and the region and beyond. And we're just so much looking forward to sharing that with you. But tonight, we're just wanting to say, as we just zoom back a bit, stand on the cliff and look at the whole scene, what's the big picture what does it mean when we say that as Christians, we're called to 
act justly, to love mercy and walk humbly. And to hopefully aid your thoughts tonight. I've got three, I've got two lovely people and David with me tonight. And these guys are going to, uh, in turn, I'm going to ask them just to focus on, just a, a little bit to introduce themselves, one of them to focus on justice, on mercy, and on, and on humility. We'll do that for a moment. And as they share some thoughts on that, I'd, I'd love it if you'd be just thinking how that chimes with your own thoughts. And then we've got some, some questions that have come through on the text. I'm afraid we're not going to do the one about why do monkeys eat bananas upside down. I'm sorry, there isn't time for that one. Um, but there are really some great questions already, so that we'll come to those. So, have we got a microphone? Great. Susie, come to you first, if I may, because uh, I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about justice and acting, acting justly with you. But, but first of all, um, tell us just a little bit about who you are, Susie. Thank you. So I'm Susie. I've been here in Trinity since 2002 with my lovely family. So we came with our newborn in 2002 and he's now over in Epic. Um, and so I work part time. I'm a lawyer and I have had the privilege over say, maybe the last 10 years of being on a really beautiful um, adventure with God. Um, which has brought me to a place where I engage um, alongside my work and alongside my family with an organization called International Justice Mission, which is the world's largest anti-slavery organization. Um, I don't know if you know, but there are more than 40 million slaves globally, and that's um, more slaves than there were in the entire duration of the transatlantic slave trade. So the situation's worse now than it was then. And I have the privilege and honour of working with them in various ways. So we're going to, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So if you've got questions about combining being um, a full-time wife, a full-time mother, uh, a, a lawyer, and someone who is serving with, uh, with IJM as, as a way of expressing this acting justly, uh, text and questions, and we'll try and cover that. But let's watch this video now, which is just going to give a little bit of flavour. Just introduce yeah. the video for us, Susie. So International Justice Mission works... Um field offices globally and we work in relation to the issue of slavery and other forms of violent abuse of the poor and um, it's the the organization is born out of this theology that we have been studying that God's heart um, is to rescue the poor and the oppressed because he loves them and um, we do that by partnering with local authorities to identify people who are in situations of um, violent abuse and exploitation, um, working with the authorities to rescue them. And then I might tell you a bit more about our methodology later. But recently we had Freedom Sunday, which is where churches globally um, got involved in IJM's mission. And actually Trinity was involved with that, but only in the morning service. So this is our opportunity to share Freedom Sunday with you in the evening service. But this video is about Freedom Sunday. So. Let's watch this. We're hosting Freedom Sunday here at St. Thomas Norwich. And today is Freedom Sunday. El Día de Libertad.
until each one is freed. It's really ultimately about coming together with all these churches throughout the world and celebrating God's character and how amazing He is that He is a God of justice and mercy. And today, if the church awakens, the church collectively, by caring, by engaging, by advocating, by acting, and not the least by praying, can see God in slavery, and we can see God in slavery right now. As long as there are millions of people in the world for whom Jesus died and they are in slavery, there's going to be Freedom Sunday to wake up the prophetic voice of the church. Wow. Um, and as a genuine thing, obviously, we, we would want to say um, there are great Christian organizations, a number of great organizations around the world, Christian organizations involved in aspects of this work. And also there are other organizations. And I said earlier that really Trinity sees its future in wanting to partner, not only partnering where we think we have to, but actually really wanting to partner. So we just want to say that. Um, Susie, uh, people can come and talk to you specifically afterwards and they can sign up to pray and join a, a prayer chain and get more specific information about campaigning and joining with IJM in those kinds of ways. And if that trailer does attract you, then, then please do do that afterwards. But I, I know for you that it's, it's the methodology that IJM use that has a real integrity about it for, for you as a lawyer and as a, as a Christian woman. Can you just say a little bit about that? What is it about the IJM approach to, to acting justly that just grabs you? Yes, um, so I think that there are two aspects which um, have attracted me to particularly partnering with this organization. The first is the depth of the theology that undergirds what they do. It's um, very much grounded and um, rooted in God's character and in his love and his, in his heart for the poor and the oppressed. Um, and the people who work for IJM take that very seriously because the, um, the sort of challenges that, that we come up against every day, the level of abuse, the level of violence is so acute and so great that unless we were in, sort of rooted in God, we simply uh, wouldn't have the resilience to be able to continue doing what we're doing. And we're in it for the long term. We're not in it for the short term. So it, I think the one aspect is the theology and the, just the rootedness in Jesus and in his love. And the other part of it, which I as a lawyer am particularly attracted to, is the fact that they have a methodology which works. So we partner with local authorities to identify instances of, for instance, slavery and violent abuse of the poor. Um, and we work with the authorities to investigate and rescue people. Um, so that's the first strand. Then we um, put, help the individuals who are now our survivors um, through an aftercare process, which can be up to three years long. Um, 
that will involve sort of all aspects of who they are. So, so it's holistic aftercare, caring for the whole person. And if, if people have been in slavery, they might, for instance, as well as needing that, that massive healing, they might also need skills training so that they have a way of making a living in the future and they won't be re-trafficked or re-enslaved. Re um, then we work with the authorities to um, prosecute the perpetrators. And the reason why we do that is because if you don't take that action, then the risk calculation around whether it's worth perpetrating these crimes is in favour of doing it. If people will be held accountable for what they do, they are less likely to do it. So we work with um, lawyers and the, the justice system to secure convictions. And that sort of also delivers dignity to, our, to those survivors, that actually what was done to them was wrong and it wasn't okay. Um, and then finally, through each case that we deal with, we identify the points in the justice system uh, where the poor are being failed, and then we work with the authorities to remedy that. So actually, the, um, the justice that we're securing is not only for the individual, but for the whole community, as the justice system is strengthened to enable, um, to, to ensure that it, these, these crimes are committed less and less. Thank you, Susie. So I think that, you know, really resonates, uh, doesn't it, with, I hope, what we've been doing in this series, where we're talking about who we are and how we respond, being absolutely rooted in the character of God. God is justice. He defines right and wrong. And we live in response to that. And secondly, that, that wisdom that you'll be hearing there, that, that Susie has had this real sense of, of calling into an organisation with doing something in a wise way that works. And I'm really struck by that thought about longevity. We can so easily look for short-term solutions to justice issues, can't we? But, but sticking for the long term. Susie, we'll come back to you in a moment, but thank you so much. Mona, hello. Hello. How are you? Good, thank you. I know what we're going to talk about in a moment, um, specifically in terms of a, a role that you have here at Trinity in one of our key mercy ministries. So we're thinking about love mercy now. Um, but just tell us a little, a little bit about you um, apart from that. <clears throat> okay. Um, <clears throat> I might cough and control a bit at some point. Sorry. <laughs> I've been coming to Trinity for about 15 years. Um, I've got two children of my own and two stepchildren, so it's quite busy at home. And um, I also work virtually full-time for um, a company, company locally. Um, and I guess I really came to Street Teams because my life turned upside down quite dramatically about eight and a half years ago. Um, and I saw God's mercy um, expressed to me through the people at Trinity um, who stood by me through what was an undescribable time of pain. Um, and actually, as I came through that, I said to God, I want to use what I've been through and what you have done for me in my situation to um, help others who are going through a rough time too. Um, so that's where I come from and why I do it. Thank you, Mona. So let's just, again, you know, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> So, so good, isn't it? Um, so again, just a, a theme for us there. Thank you so much for drawing that out, that how we're serving and operating with others comes out of our own experience of uh, experience of God. Um, David, will just sort and, and have a conversation. Um, so Mourner, is that... 
Yeah, well, can we do that afterwards? Is that okay when we do the question bit? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Bless you, yeah. So, Morna, someone who was going to give testimony to you and to our, to our street teams, which is great, isn't it? Thank you for that. So, um, Morna, street teams at Trinity, what are they? What do you do? Um, <clears throat> so, there are two teams that go out from Trinity. One goes out on a Tuesday night and one goes out on a Thursday night. Um, we collect food from local cafes um, in town. So there's Soho, Greggs and Huffkins who save their food for us at the end of Tuesday and Thursday nights. And one of our team members goes and collects it, brings it back in a trolley. It's like a little uh, pull-along trolley behind him. It's usually stacked with food. Um, we'll make tea, coffee, hot chocolate, um, sometimes cheese and pickle sandwiches depending on how much food we've been gifted. And then by half past seven, we go down to Marks and Spencers and we just sit on the benches outside Marks and Spencers. And guys come along, some of whom might be homeless or some of whom um, just want to come and make connections with us and build relationships. And then um, we share out the food, have drinks and have times when we can really get to know people, make friends um, and share the love of Jesus with them. Wow. So there's a, a, a real opportunity there to, uh, to share with, with great people who are really, um, yeah, finding themselves on the streets and, and needing that kind of the love mercy bit. So can you just say a little bit more about not directly, not prying into your own direct experience, but how do you sense that as a Christian? Does that kind of flow through you, that what happened to you, to, to guys who you're serving on the streets of Cheltenham? Um, I think probably for me it was a real sudden understanding that um, pain is something that can go really deep. Um, I'd never really experienced pain in the way that I did and it was the love of God that was demonstrated to me through God's family and I just knew that I couldn't waste that experience and that actually I'd learnt through it and I needed to share that with others and that actually it doesn't matter what the pain is, what matters is that you get that you're hurting and there are so many people out there who for different reasons are hurting and that might be because they're homeless or it might just be for sets of, um, sets of family reasons or jobs or all sorts of things that go wrong in their lives and it's just good to be able to talk and we get the most amazing um, ability to pray with them um, and to pray with people who are just out there who just want to know that somebody cares and to be able to bring them God's love in that situation is what's so in empowering and, and actually... There are so many nights when you think, I don't want to go, it's cold, it's snowing, it's raining, I'm going to get wet, I've got to leave the kids behind, I haven't had my tea, you know, all those excuses that you can come up with as a human. But when you get there, you realise that actually this is where God wants you to be and you make friends. Um, you know, I count the people I meet on a Tuesday night as, as good friends. Wow, there we go. Good stuff. Mona, thank you so much. Can we pass the microphone to David? So, David... Hi. Do you come Hi. here often? I do. Tell Too us often. just a little Too bit. Often. Tell us just a little bit about who you are, and then I'm going to ask you uh, about humility. <laughs> Great. Um, so I am one of the humblest people I know, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, my name is David. Uh, I have a role here, but um, one of the funniest things is, is being uh, a husband to Karis and a dad to three little kids under five. Uh, I enjoy mountain biking and generally being humble do you know what I mean <laughs> just, just, just oozes out of me I think <laughs> go on let's go let's go into it. in some ways uh, David 
you know, um, thank you so much what's been shared already and just love what's coming out already. Um, walking humbly mm. with God, um, what, does that, what do you think that feels like, looks like for you? And, and what have been the things that you've had, do you feel that you've had to learn about, you are learning about? What do you, what do you take to God in prayer? Yeah, I, I guess I'd headline it with, for me, humility is, is lacking confidence without connection. Like, I lack confidence. If I'm not connecting with God on an issue, if I'm not connecting with God in a, in a role or in, in a relationship, I lack confidence, hopefully, in an appropriate way without connection with God. Like, knowing that, actually, God has the best way of walking in a, in a marriage or in a, in a relationship or in, in being a dad or in, in getting involved in, in people's lives and seeking to love the, the hurting and the lost. So, so for me, it's, 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 it's realising even my best ideas on my best days can be better in relationship with God, but also in relationship with others, connection with God, but also connection with others and, and asking. It's one of my privileges in, in my role to oversee some of the transform ministries, which you know, street teams and King's Table, a lot of different stuff we do. And there's a, there's a humility around the way that we do love people in a way that brings dignity and in a way that recognizes that, yes, we have something to offer or we might be the people facilitating some of the good news and the, and, and the provision of food, but actually... There's treasure in everyone that we get to meet, as Mona's already said. There's a richness, and I think there's something of humility that's, that sees people around and goes, actually, in connecting with other people, there's, there's richness. Um, there's richness about connection, and I think there's, there's something of humility in that, I think, just being really broad about it. And, and is that something, um, obviously you're a leader in the church here and, and being a leader in a church, you know, has certain territory with it, certain expectations around it. Um, it's, it's very easy, you know, to, to sort of kind of appear one way on the outside, but that obviously there's a gap with what's going on on the inside. Yeah. Um, so this, this place that you've got to now as a follower of Jesus, you know, what, what have been the significant things for you in terms of coming to an understanding of humility, that, that sense of needing to be connected with God? Good question. Um, I, I, I guess it's I guess it's it's helped for me growing up in a in, in a in a Christian environment in a in a in a home where my parents loved me a lot and there was just an expectation that God had a an important role in our lives. It wasn't it wasn't something that just happened on Sundays. Um, it, be, being dependent on God um, as a foundation was a really helpful thing to to realise actually. I, I just look really stupid without him. And it doesn't take long for my life to unravel. And that's the hard thing about being up here on a stage and preaching all the stuff. It, it doesn't take long for my life without connecting with God and without reading his word and spending time in his, in his presence. That's especially at a time when I, it feels like opportunities to do that are very limited with, with young kids. It, my, my, the, my character, my focus unravels so quick without him. It was just... Josh's song I'm finding really helpful at the moment. I'm, this, life isn't life without him. I, I think there's, there's something around humility and, and that that um, I've just I've just learned in in the hard ways and in the messing it up ways, um, as well as in those ways when I've when I've approached a situation and God, I don't have the best perspective on this. God, what what do you want to say? Have, have you got a perspective on what what you've called me to do in this role or in this relationship? And 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 listening out to His voice. Uh, and hearing some really good stuff and going, wow, I'm glad I stopped 
and waited and listened to God before I ran into this thing with just my ideas and my agenda. So, uh, guys, just uh, thank you so much, the three of you, for sharing those aspects of justice and mercy and humility. So let's dig into some of the questions. Um, here's one. We've kind of touched on it in a way, but behind the question maybe is, is something else. How do you deal with injustice? Do you have to be a doormat and accept it by walking humbly? So I think behind the question is how does justice and mercy and humility all kind of mix in together? Because... You know, if you want to be just, but hang on a second, we're meant to be walking humbly and, and showing mercy. How, how do you sort of make sense of all of this together? That's a big question. Um, really glad I don't have to answer it. I'm just asking. <laughs> um, I, I see a lot of injustice with people who, um, for one reason or another, have fallen on hard times. And you kind of you look at the way society works and it just feels unfair that's the one word that comes back to me week after week when you hear people's stories and you talk about what's happened it just seems unfair and actually i feel like there's i feel like although we go out on a tuesday night and we bless them with the help that we can give that actually it's a small drop in a huge ocean and there's so much more that needs to be done um and i find i find I find like I feel my hands are tied in that I've got a family and I'm at work during the week and I've, I've not got resources for it and I wish there was more that I could do. Um, so I, get, I suppose I get frustrated by the injustices that I see. Um, and we do a lot of prayer, but there's a lot to do in the world. Thank you, Mona. Susie? Um, it's a huge question. And I think that sort of what just comes up in my heart... Um, Sort of listening to it is are a few things. Firstly, that um, in relation to injustice, God cares, and it's not okay. Um, and we, as the church, are called to express that and to address it. Um, and it talks specifically in Isaiah 50, 58 about loosing the chains of injustice. And I, that's our calling. And I would love to see the church rise up in that. Um, what do we want the church to be known for? Who are we? What's our DNA? What does that look like to the world outside? Could it be that we could be known for, for that, for, pe for being people who act justly and who love mercy and who walk humbly? Could it be that? And I would, that, wouldn't that be amazing? And that, for me, it's like, the, it's like when your ice cream van sunk, way down into the sand and it got some traction and I think that's where the church is going to get traction when we when we sink that deep into God that we get that that we get that traction and move forward thank you and that's a really neat if you can pass the mic to David because um, it really neatly links with another question um, which we've had um, someone quoting uh, Amos 5 21 to 24 from the message version mm -hmm. I, won't, I won't read all of it but if I give you a flavour I can't stand your religious meetings says God I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions I want nothing to do with your religion projects um, I've had enough uh, I, I can take of your noisy ego music when was the last time you sang to me do you know what I want I want justice oceans of it um, and someone just asking and I think in a really helpful way you know 
what does God say to the church? Is, is that kind of thing still relevant to us? Amos obviously speaking at a time of great injustices to the poor. And, and how should we respond? Susie's given a bit of a flavour, but what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I just think it's, it's really challenging. I, I do. I, I, I read that in different sections of Isaiah and it, we, just, we just see this, this strong and powerful kind of fierce mother goose of God kind of that you just don't want to you don't want to mess with and I, and I think we sometimes take God lightly and I think sometimes we take our gatherings lightly and I was saying this morning there's something of of our, of our desire to to pray and to say come Holy Spirit in in these meetings and yet I think often the Holy Spirit is present in some messy parts of town or some messy situations and injustices across the globe where the Holy Spirit's saying come Holy Church there's something of of the Holy Spirit going I'm here. I'm just. I'm just not about these, these comfortable meetings where you sit in comfortable-ish chairs and 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 you sing songs week in week out. But it's not making a difference to the broken and the lost and the hurting. That just doesn't compute. It doesn't register. It's confusing. It doesn't make sense to God. And God's got real clarity where we can go. I. I won't speak for all of us. I can go for for months thinking, yeah, this is this rhythm's helpful and it's healthy and I, I'm enjoying my life. And yet, actually, God would have us a m- much more disturbed than I think we would we would want to lead this kind of a gathering uh, about. Um, and I, I think that's a challenge for us as a, as a leadership team. It's a challenge for us as a a body. How how disturbed are we willing to be? Because uh, I think God would have us be more disturbed. Well, thank you, um, Mona and, and Susie. If I may just sort of you know, how would you guys want us to be praying as as individuals and as a as a church? David has teed that up. We as a leadership need to be led by God. So how as two members of our church would you want us to be praying? I love what you just said about um <clears throat> being out there, that it um I've always felt quite passionately about church in inverted commas that actually a lot of us view and I'm guilty of it myself view church as almost like a club for us and actually I'm in this group because I want to go out and share God's love and be out there where it's happening um so I guess I want people to pray for for God to show them where they're best placed and where he's going to use them um on a personal level, just for the strength to keep going, especially through the winter, sometimes you just get to that point and go, I don't want to go out there, it's cold and it's horrible. And then you have to step back and say, do you know what? I go home to a warm house, I can have a warm shower if I'm cold, and there are people out there who are sleeping rough, and actually, you know, I need to be grateful for what I've got, and I need to share more of what I've got with them. Um, but I guess really just, yeah, ask God for where you can be used. And I know I don't do enough. It's as much as a challenge to me as it is to to anyone else. Thank you, Susie. Um, How can you be praying? I think that, well, actually, where I started here, where I started my journey was not with a theology. It wasn't with, at just love, mercy, walk humbly. It was with a question to God. And that question to him was kind of sprang out of a real desire that my life would be significant in kingdom terms, whatever it looked like in worldly terms, that it would count for the kingdom. And my question to God was, how can I be most effectively deployed for your kingdom with with the gifts that you've given me, in the place where you've placed me, how can I be most effectively deployed? 
and that's it's a it's a I, it was for me it was a very very helpful question to ask but it brought me to at justly love mercy walk humbly and I think we have to acknowledge that that is not go to a church where there are people who do it it's it's a it's a call on every single Christian's life um, and yeah thank you wow shall we say thank you to these guys Thank you so much. Uh, really humbling and really inspiring and encouraging. And I just, I, I didn't actually deliberately set it up that we had uh, Susie and Mona here and David and I here in a kind of sense representing leadership of the church and voice of our church. But I, I know you've heard, I hope you feel you've heard, you know, the voice of, the voice of our church in the heart cries um, that have been shared by Susie and, and Mona. That, that's how I hear it as as leader here so I'm going to invite you if you're able to to stand because I, I know that I need to come to God myself now having heard what we've just heard and it's our way here at Trinity to include this as part of our worship include this as part of our time just as we've been actually really appropriately challenged to hear and respond and to say to God the Holy Spirit God with us now to say here I am God we're followers of Jesus Christ I, I, I pray in this room if, if you're not yet if you don't feel you've started following you know maybe you've heard about Jesus or maybe you've just been kind of actually focusing on church and religion you, you've heard faith tonight. You've heard two women speaking, David as well, obviously, sorry, forgive me. People talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And if you've not started following Jesus, if you've not said, I want to get rid of the rubbish and I want to walk towards, towards the light, then, then this could be the moment in response to how God has been speaking. If you are a follower, if you are following, Holy Spirit, God with us now, what's the next step for us? Let's just be quiet for a moment and invite God to speak into, into our mind in answer to that question. I am going to shut up, don't worry. What is... Lord God, the next step in our following 